0: welcome to the eclectic gamers podcast today is sunday september 10th it's episode 43 i'm tony and i'm dennis and we're here today we're going to talk about to
1: you about some pinball and some
0: video games
1: but first off what have you been up to dennis Uh, I'm so exhausted. Uh, We had a game night last night. We did. You were here. I hosted. We had some uh, friends of ours over like we typically do. We had some that don't normally make it uh, as well. So we played some Jackbox. We played some pinball, watched some Guardians Galaxy 2. So it went pretty well, I thought. Uh, But oh, but before I go on, I I did want to touch on. I thought about holding this till the pinball segment, but I'm going to throw it out now. When we were downplaying, you made a comment that surprised me. You seemed to suggest that you thought that Sharky's was actually the best game in my lineup. And I thought that was interesting because I never really, I didn't really put any thought about what game of mine might possibly be my best game. Uh, but I guess I thought I would confirm it. One, is that accurate? And two, if so, what is it about the game that you think makes it good? It could be the newness of the game. Just
0: the fact that I've played all the others a whole lot. But I think that has a a lot to do with it. I still... It's just a really fun game. The drops are satisfying. The call-outs are satisfying. It doesn't... I'm not to the... It, it could just be that I'm not to the point yet where it wholly annoys me at times because of some of the little crap. Like... Like, Star Trek is a good game, but sometimes I just can't make a shot, and it just starts to, to anger me. And Firepower is a good game, and it's just a good game, period. I love Firepower. Uh, Jurassic Park is, I can take it or leave it. it. It's I don't hate it. I don't love it. It's a game. But Sharkies is just a really satisfying game to play. Even, even yesterday, I had some terrible Sharkies games. Some games that were just like, how do you even score this badly on this game? Uh, games. And it was still fun. Uh, and I think there's just the satisfaction with the drops and the satisfaction with, some of the other shots. I mean, I'm not saying it's, it's, it's not like it's moving into my, it's not in my, Oh, this is the greatest game ever. It's not even in my, Oh, this is in my top 10 favorite games. It's just, so it, it in, hasn't displaced attack from Mars yet. No, it's just yet. in your, in, in your actual lineup. I think it's a fight between it and firepower for the games that I enjoy the most with, uh, Star Trek at number three.
1: Okay. I was just curious. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Other things since our last episode I thought I'd note. Also in the pinball realm, uh, I met up with uh, Nick Schnell of Nick's North American Pinball Tour, who was our very first interview we ever did back on Texas Pinball Festival 2016. Uh, so he was in town and I, I didn't attend any of his EM session work or anything like that, but one of the local collectors, Mike O, uh, allowed me to come over to his house. I'd never been there. He has a very nice collection, a lot of restored pins, which is what Nick does as well as do restoration. Uh, I, we played a game. It was actually not an EM. We played attack from Mars. Nick won. Uh, I doubt he'll post a picture of that one <laughs> since it did, it wasn't an EM challenge, Um, he stumped me on a ballet class of 81 trivia. I was humiliated. I was so bad at it. I felt disgusted. I'm going to have to brush up on that. Uh, he did give a suggestion for a new tournament, which I'll get to in the pinball segment for our show. And, uh, we did talk about, uh, I was discussing with him about doing an interview when he was all settled and done with everything, but we'll, we'll actually shoot to see if we can arrange to have him on as a guest host and sort of do an EM centric episode which uh, interested him more than doing another interview. But there was one thing I did want to note and and Tony wasn't able to, to make this event. It was late in the evening, but when we were talking, I realized that he had become confused at one point. He also did an interview with another podcast, which I really like to listen to called slam tilt podcast, but he mistakenly thought that we were the ones that did not like the freedom prototype when it was them. Who did not like the prototype. I say freedom prototype is amazing. Yes. So while I, I did clarify that I went, there's not going to be an issue because Sam slam tilt guys, I'm sure do not listen to this show and we don't criticize other podcasts, but we can criticize their game selections. They were very, very, very wrong to dislike the freedom prototype. I'm going to (laughs) tell you what I'm going to tell you what's wrong with their philosophy. They want cookie cutter lower third play fields. That's their problem. That's it. It's that simple. I've solved it. That's the issue. It's not the middle pop. The middle pop is what makes that game work. The problem is they don't have an issue with the middle pop. They have an issue with how the flippers are placed to incorporate the middle pop, but they're wrong. They're just wrong. It's mathematically provable that they're wrong because it works because if it didn't work, I wouldn't like it there boom, (laughs) done. So no, we like the freedom prototype. That was actually why we interviewed Nick was we saw the freedom prototype at Texas I believe it got runner-up that year, and we wanted to talk to him about it because we thought it should have won because I agree. that's what we do. We're winners here on Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Speaking of winning and then not winning, the uh, final thing I wanted to note is uh, I was talking to someone. Oh, this must have been over a month ago, and they said they were having trouble finding us when they were searching on iTunes. and like They searched for a keyword like pinball or video games or something, and, and we didn't pop up. And I searched on my podcast software and found us. And Tony searched on his podcast software and found us. But I finally went into iTunes and I saw the issue. We didn't have any supporting keywords anymore because SoundCloud, when we moved to them, doesn't include those. I still route us through a service called FeedBurner. I just, I turned off all the features because I could never remember if I had to make an adjustment. Do I adjust SoundCloud or do I adjust FeedBurner? So now I've gone in, I've stuck in the keywords I don't know if they're working yet or not. Last I checked, they weren't. Uh, So I'm going to keep an eye on that. I also went in and stuck in a subtitle for us. So it mentions video games and pinball as a subtitle to the podcast, which again, we're not really renaming the podcast, but it's just to make it so people can actually find it because we don't incorporate any of the types of games we talk about in our name, which a lot of podcasts do. So they don't, they aren't as critically reliant on the keyword thing. Uh. And as a final note, kind of relating to this, but I think it's obvious to all of our listeners, is we are not continuing to regularly insert the tabletop segment. And that's just because we don't have enough content to talk about regularly on tabletop. So we'll still cover tabletop. It'll still be towards the end of the show when and if it's needed. But the only two regular segments at this point are pinball and video games. I think anyone who's listened to us over the last four months knows this is true, but I thought I'd just (laughs) sort of officially get that out here. So everyone heard it. So that's it for me. What's going on, Tony? Well, I have not had a lot
0: going on other than the stuff you already talked about. We went to 403 Club last week, and I did pretty good, uh, which is to say I won a game, which for me is really good. So I did not go two and out. I I, I was
1: three and out. What did you think of the – did it seem to you I, – I know this so – sorry to cut in, but – It seemed like some of the games were kind of of poor condition than normal. I, I'm just I I got kind of borked by Ghostbusters because the Slimer wasn't registering, and I had to completely change my strategy and did it too late. But I looked, I didn't play this, but I looked over and Rob Zombie's screen looked like it was having a conniption fit.
0: Yeah, it was it was messed up. They ended up shutting Rob Zombie off and taking it out of the tournament, which is good. That game should never be in a tournament anyway because it's a terrible game. Uh, There, I said it. No, you're right. I don't right. like Rob Zombie. I, I don't like it at all. And the more I play it, the more I dislike that game. Which is too bad because I like Rob Zombie himself.
1: I like the artwork, but the game—I I just don't like it. You know what? I've considered if I was a better player, this would actually have meaning. But I'm so bad at, at pinball that I don't think anyone would care. But I've thought if I—if it's still in tournament and I draw it because we do random draw at 403. or three that I'll just forfeit and say I refuse to put money in it. <laughs> I won't pr- I don't practice it anymore. I haven't tried the new code. I'm so far past caring that I've only been willing to play it if I draw it at this point. But I'm starting to think, you know what? Maybe I'll stand on the, you know, me and my whatever my rank is 3500 or whatever in the world. I'll stand up. Uh, I'll stand there and I'll just go, "No, no. I forfeit. I won't play that game." Just a thought. You make your stand. That's what you need to do is make your stand. That's right. Oh, I well, think the principles I'm I'm dying for here. Incredible. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, I have been but other other than those, I haven't done a lot lately. I I found a new website store place where I was able to like that I'm I'm not many people may know this, but I'm kind of a notebook snob when it comes to like notebooks uh, and stuff for for work. And I like really high-quality notebooks instead of, like, your cheap spiral-bound uh, uh, mead five cents for a three-pack notebooks. I like, like, higher-end notebooks, so I ordered myself a couple new notebooks and stuff, and that's really all I've done lately. I did start, I talked last time, uh, on our last episode, I was talking about... Uh, starting to go through, uh, the Hunt for Red October again because I've been playing so much Cold Waters. And I changed my mind. Instead of going, hitting the Hunt for Red October, I decided to do, uh, Red Storm Rising. Which is also Tom Clancy, but it has lots of submarines and everything else in it. So it, it's still got a, a similar feel. It's just not quite as, as, as directed. So. I went ahead and picked up the audiobook of Red Storm Rising and started listening to that this week cuz I just finished my previous audiobook which was The Stand.
1: You that's love The Stand? Oh, I love The Stand Is that so your much. favorite King book? I always got the impression it was.
0: Yes. My favorite King book is The Stand. My second favorite King book would be The Talisman. Yeah, and that might that's way up there for me. I'd probably put Gunslinger at number 3.
1: I wouldn't put the first Gunslinger at number three myself. I would probably say and Glass. Glass is the Wizarding- best written book of them all, followed by the drawing of the three, then followed by uh, Gunslinger. I just
0: like the, lay- uh, the, the layout and the kind of quick read and the way Gunslinger kind of flows. I really enjoy it. That's why I move it up. I would put and Glass as my second favorite Dark Tower book. And Drawing of the Three would be my third favorite Dark Tower book.
1: I like Gunslinger, though, because it does stand alone very well. It does. The rest, the rest, not so much. So,
0: yeah. But you know, now that I think I need to reread the Talisman, I wonder if I can get the Talisman on audiobook. Did you
1: Probably. ever read the sequel?
0: Yeah. Uh, Black House? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't it's okay. as good. It's not as good. No, it's okay.
1: Fine. It ties into the larger metaverse really well. Okay. Well, cool. I like those books. And so let's tie let's tie this all in into in our pinball segment. Um, referencing back to the intro, I mentioned that Nick had uh, suggested a tournament for us to run, and I was going to wait a little bit longer, but I decided, nope, I'm not going to wait any longer at all. So we're going to do it. And you may be shocked because he is known as an EM guy, but it was not a suggestion in the realm of EM. It was in System 11. He thought we should do a System 11 tournament to see what is the best of the System 11 series of games. For those that aren't familiar, System 11 is referring essentially to the board set. And so we will have a link in the show notes where you can go vote. It's the Google Forms. I'm not doing authentication, you don't need a Google account. You don't need it's not ranking in the in that weird heat map style where we're back to the conventional approach. So let those votes roll on in. But I thought uh, we could go over the matchups because System 11, this was a really good idea because Tony and I have played most of these System 11 games, if oh, yeah. not physically, at least virtually, because they've been very popular in pinball arcade. So I thought I'd walk through what the first uh, matchups are. I should note that based off of the System 11 website is what I use to decide which games uh, are quote unquote system 11. I don't know if there's ever any discrepancies. I'm assuming not. They gave me a list of 30 and their seating was based off of their ranking on Pinside as of the date that I built the voting form. So that'd be the 8th of September. So that's where the seeding numbers come from. If anyone cares, it summarizes all that when you go to the vote, but uh, because of how that works with a 30 seed bracket, uh, the first seed, which is Whirlwind, and the second seed, which is Avira, and the Party Monsters, have buys for round one. Everything else has a matchup, so we won't talk about those first two games. But all right, so the first matchup is going to be F-14 Tomcat, 16 seed, against the 17 seed, which is Radical. What do you favor here?
0: Radical. Me
1: too. I, I mean, F-14 cl-
0: is a classic game. There's nothing wrong with it. I just enjoy Radical.
1: Yeah, I, I do too. We had it briefly at 403 and I really like shooting it. Uh, I hate to admit it, but F-14 Tomcat, it's too fast. It's too fast for me. Enough. It makes me feel so old that I just, I feel like I never, even when I, I've memorized exactly where the ball will go, I just can't get the timings down. It's just all those uh, kickbacks are just, they're just too brutal for me. So I just, I feel frustrated more than I feel like I'm having fun on it. Uh, next matchup: the eight seed, which is Diner, versus the twenty-fifth seed, the Bally Game Show. I've not played Bally Game Show. I've not played Bally Game Show either, so I I can't make a valid
0: choice here, other than the fact that I enjoy Diner.
1: Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and support Diner on it, and the reason is Diner is basically a lesser taxi, so and I like taxi a lot. So I'm willing. I'm willing to stand by it, despite I do want to try the ballet game show. I, there was someone who was looking at getting one in the area, and I actually saw one for sale in Wichita a couple of years ago that I contemplated, but the price was not a good enough deal to warrant me driving that far down. So, uh, next matchup: uh, the ninth seed, high speed versus the twenty fourth sp- speed uh, seed, police force. So, cop v cop. Police force, that is the furry game. Yes, right? the one you always call furry cops.
0: Furry cops.
1: Uh yeah, high speed, no no sure? contest. You, you oh, came hey. up with you came up with furry cops that sort of shows an appreciation. I think
0: furry cops is hilarious. Uh uh just because it's furry cops and but at the same time, no, high speed's just one of the greatest games ever.
1: Yeah, it is awesome. I, I agree with you. High speed all the way. Next matchup. The fourth seed, Earthshaker, versus the 29th seed, Millionaire. Here's another instance where I've not played Millionaire. So yep. that Same I here. remember. And Earthshaker's okay. It's probably my least favorite of the disaster themes. I am actually was surprised to see that it was all the way up to the fourth seed. But, um, but against what I've read about Millionaire, I'm, will- I'm willing to go ahead and cast a vote to Earthshaker. Okay, uh, next one. The 13th seed, Space Station, versus the 20th seed, Fire. Fire. Space Station's good, but Fire is a beautiful game, and it's fun to play. I'm going to diverge from you here, and I'm going to say I'm voting for Space Station on this. I agree with you. Fire looks a lot better. I don't think the layout of Fire is very interesting, though, and I like the idea. well, Well, I don't always enjoy playing it the best. I thought I'll give kudos to Space Station for sticking those slings right up to those flippers and making it very hard to trap up. And I just think overall, though, the layout is a bit more interesting to me. So for that reason, I'm going to back Space Station. Works. All right. Next one. Fifth seed, PenBot versus the 28th seed, Road Kings. Well, I've not played
0: Road Kings, but I've watched Road Kings played. Mm -hmm. And it looks awesome.
1: But it's bloody PenBot. So PenBot. Yeah. PenBot. Uh, and i if anyone's heard before, Penbot is my favorite system eleven game, so <laughs> I'm obviously going to choose Penbot uh, I have also not played Road Kings I've looked to try and play one, uh, and you mentioned we'd seen it play that was we watched the stream with the women's championships where our uh, Carrie Wing from our area uh took second place, and she owned that table as if it were Rome itself and she were its Senate. But, but even after all of that, I asked her about it because I said it made me really want to try road Kings. And she just said, but Dennis, it's not a good game. So I'm going to take her advice on that. <laughs> I'm going to stick with Pinbot. Uh, Next matchup is going to be the 12th seed and around against the 21st seed jokers.
0: I have played both of these games and I'm going to be a hundred percent honest. I don't really like either of them that much. I know Mousing Around is <laughs> really popular, but I don't like it. So I'm I'm, I'm going to go with Jokers just because it's the one I'll
1: dislike the least. But I don't like either. I agree with you. I don't like Mousing Around. I don't like its layout. I don't like its rules. I don't like its center ramp all day the exploit and Jokers. Um, Yeah, I, I've played it a few times at Texas. I think it's okay. I don't. It would not be a game I would probably ever contemplate owning unless it was an incredible deal, but eh, it it had some interesting ideas. I hate the theme, hate the theme. Mousing around has got a better theme, but yeah, between the two, I'm going to pick Jokers. I just think it's more interesting. Okay, next matchup, the 15th seed, which will be Roller Games, is going to go against the 18th seed, Bad Cats. I'm going to go with Roller Games. Roller Games. It's got that awesome back glass. It does. It's fun. Uh, But this will be a split for us because I'm going to actually go with Bad Cats. I've only played it virtually, but I I like the idea. I think the theme, theme integration is good. I think the sound effects are hilariously campy. And roller games, I know I'm getting a little biased against because I can't think of the last one I played that was working completely. And so I don't know. I don't like the little magnet catch. I don't. I don't like that uh, loop ramp. I think it's too steep for the game's own good. So even setting aside how the game is playing itself, I don't think that element was designed particularly well. So I'm going to go with Bad Cats because I think it's better made. Valid. All right. Next one will be the seventh seed, Bonsai Run, versus the 26th seed, Big Guns. Well, these are both really good
0: games. I'm going to go with Bonsai Run. Because of the whole back glass play thing is just a lot of fun. But honestly, if these two games had been up against about half the rest of this list, they would have both won.
1: Mm. Yeah, this was sort of interesting because I also I really like both of these. I was surprised Big Guns is this far down on the seating, actually. Mm-hmm. And, I, and interestingly enough, they both have back glass features because Big Guns has that little plinky thing that they're doing i don't know what to call it The little plungy thing that they've got going on there but i agree with you i think bonsai run i'm not a big lawler fan but uh i that was a clever implementation and just the sheer fact that they engineered for the ball to come up from the lower playoff field into the upper and then give you a significant game which yeah you can start to memorize how to do it but nonetheless it's a challenge it's just uh from a from an innovation standpoint alone, it it deserves props. So yeah, I agree with you. All right, next one: the tenth seed, Swords of Fury, versus the twenty third seed, Riverboat Gambler. Have you played I Riverboat Gambler? Don't know if I've played Riverboat Gambler. I don't think I have. I've played Swords of Fury. We had it at 403 three for a while. Yeah, I thought it was all right. I mean, I like Swords of Fury. I, I'm I mean, more like unless
0: Riverboat Gambler is something really really good that i've just somehow missed i would have probably gone with swords of fury without it being a default but yeah i'm gonna go with swords of fury
1: yep i agree next matchup oh this one will be a challenge it'll be the third seed taxi versus the 30th seed bugs bunny's birthday ball now i know we've both played these this is a challenge
0: Hmm. choose wisely why? Because no matter what I choose, after the game's over, the game will just randomly decide who wins anyway. Hey, that's pinball. That's pinball. <laughs> yeah, no, this is taxi without a doubt.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, you know this this seating in no way surprised me. And Bugs Bunny is universally agreed, I believe, to be the absolute worst System Eleven ever created, uh, and it does not deserve to advance. Let's see. If, you know what? I bet you some Redditor will give us a troll vote and, and give it at least something. But we'll find out. We'll find out. Uh, the 14th seed is Grand Lizard versus the 19th seed, Dr. Dude. Hmm. You know, this one's a little tougher. I Really?
0: The, yeah. I mean, Grand Lizard has that kind of awesome music sound tone thing going on. And all Dr. Dude has going for it is everything else. <laughs> You're so a dude. I'm going to have to go sound. with
1: Dr. Dude. Okay. I, I agree with you, but for me, this <laughs> I hate Grand Lizard. I hate it. I, oh, really? Yes. I don't like playing it at all. I We have it at Pizza West right now. I want it to be put out into a dumpster and lit on fire and taken away. I don't want it burned, but someone needs to just buy it and take it. I know. And part of this is, and this will come up a little bit well on our next matchup to a a slight degree. I think I just don't really like multi-level playfields. So I don't like that upper playfield on Grand Lizard at all. I think it's way too easy to stay up there, and that's where all the points are at, and I just... Dr. Dude was not a game I liked very much when I first started playing it, but it really grew on me when we had it on location. It's not a top five game for me, but it is a top 10 game in the system 11 realm. But I just think that it makes you do more shots. I think it's got a pretty good theme integration, obviously very campy, but overall, I I just think it's more fun to shoot. I think it's a better shooter as well. So, yeah, not it wasn't even close. I was amazed Dr. Dude was rated lower than Grand Blizzard. I wouldn't have put Grand Blizzard above 20th.
0: Oh, see, I I, I don't mind Grand Blizzard.
1: I kind of like it even. i just not better than Dr. Dude. No, I, a lot of people like it. I just know. I I know what it is. It's the upper play field. I just don't like it. And I don't like most games with an upper play field. So that's just. And I'm not going to argue that like wide bodies. I'm not going to argue that there's a geometric like proof out there to that's just a bias of mine for whatever reason those play fields i just don't like them as much speaking of which that's sort of the next matchup we have the sixth seed which is black knight 2000 which has an upper play field versus the 27th seed pool sharks i've not played pool sharks nor have i we we discussed that because pool sharks was in our last uh tournament we ran yeah so it
0: will be a default to Black Knight two thousand. But let's be honest, Pool Sharks would have had to have been bloody amazing to beat Black Knight two thousand eight. Oh yeah. Because yeah. Black Knight two thousand is a great game.
1: It it is. Of of the ones with upper play. I enjoy it. I enjoy playing it quite a bit more than Black Knight. It might be a little too easy of anything versus Black Knight, which is incredibly brutal. But the soundtrack alone, it's got the best soundtrack of any of the System Eleven games. So oh yeah, easy. It's just it's it's fun. I mean, it'd probably drive you crazy all day if you were working in an arcade and you had it nearby you, but but from a playing standpoint, it's just it really works. It's it's just I'm always bopping my head along when I play it. So, uh, and our last matchup for round one will be the 11th seed Cyclone versus the 22nd seed Transporter: The Rescue.
0: I'm gonna go with Cyclone. I if
1: Transporter is the game I'm thinking of, let me look it up real quick. Yeah, it's it's the one that you've played at Todd's. It's the one with Cthulhu eating the spaceship.
0: That's what I was thinking it was. You know, it's not a bad game at all. I actually kind of like it, but I do enjoy Cyclone a lot.
1: Yeah, I um, and I'm I'm gonna here will be another one of our splits. I'm actually going to back Transporter on this. I think Transporter seated so low because it's relatively rare for us as a system eleven, and most people haven't played it. Uh, I don't love either of these games. I don't. I've just I can barely remember Cyclone. It has never clicked for me. I know some people are really big fans of it. Transporter, again, though, I, I think it's got some fairly clever layout ideas. I don't think it's a great shooter, but No. Uh, but no. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and back it overall because I also don't particularly enjoy shooting Cyclone. So I probably in the minority, as the seating would suggest on this, but I'm willing to give Cthulhu his chance to uh give us some cosmic horror.
0: Yeah, no, they're both they're both I give them both a very good solid okay i think these are one of the ones where it's a tougher matchup because they're against each other than it would be if they were against you know like a bonsai run or a big guns or a high speed or something
1: yeah no then they'd all easily die that would be right uh, well i guess we'll we'll end up seeing that in the in subsequent rounds yeah we will so that's the matchup uh 28 games going at it obviously a whirlwind and elvira will make their appearance in round two So we'll keep everyone informed. As I noted, there's a link in the show notes to go to the vote. I will get it out on Facebook eventually as well as I typically do, because we'll probably have some people that will go and vote that don't typically listen. And that's fine. The more the merrier. But that will be our 2017 System 11 uh, pinball tournament. So one other pinball topic, I thought, another fun one. We're just doing fun ones. There's no news this week that I thought was worth talking about. Uh, I was having an online discussion with uh, Eric Eckhorst, ask, actually, and we somehow, it started somewhere completely different. I think we we're talking about NV RAM chips, but, but it eventually got into the realm of licensing and pinball. And he thought this would make a good pinball segment for the show. And I was like, you're right. So let me steal it. And it was, what pinball company uh, do you think had the best licenses In the 1990s. So, for the purposes of this discussion, let's do 1990 through 1999. And I guess your choices would obviously be Bally Williams, kind of they're combined at this stage, Data East and Sega, because Data East became Sega in the latter part of that decade, Gottlieb, which didn't make it all the way through the decade, but you know, it's premier Gottlieb, I guess you could say. And I think it was under premier's control the entire time there. Or if there's another, you might want to throw out like Capcom or something. I'm, I'm open to it, but most of the others just don't have enough years to even be competitive. You yeah, sort of, no. uh, and what we mean by best licenses is not, not which one of the games, not which pinball games were the best, which ones went with the best licenses and they can be any license. It just has to be a licensed content, TV show, movie band, what, whatever. I don't care. So what, what's your thinking when you think back on the, on the games from the nineties and the ones, you know, were licensed, what company do you think did the best licensing deals?
0: Well, I think data East and Sega
1: probably had the most. If I'm remembering, right. I'm, I'm pretty sure you're right. Uh, but did but were the ones that they got overall was that was that volume also the best of them?
0: I think Bally Williams and and this is where i'm gonna I'm running into the bias problem of, of just saying just the the license itself was strong because most of the games I can remember from Sega data East
1: they have good licenses, but the games aren't that good. But we're, we're focusing on what what had the strength of the license. not Yeah. If It's not much of a debate, uh, at least with the pinball community. If I were to say what company had the best games of the, of the nineties licensed or not, everyone's going to choose Bally Williams.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think Sega data East will end up with it just because they had enough that even the ones they messed up, they were able to get good licenses.
1: I agree. In fact, I agree so overwhelmingly that I don't even find it. It's almost not worth discussing other than to se- sort of celebrate the concept. So I actually, because I knew this ahead of time, I went through and started looking up the list of the games from the 90s from these manufacturers. And I was originally trying to track like the ones I thought were a winner license and a loser license. And also just kind of like a meh, you know, it's an okay license, but it's not not great or bad or, or whatnot. And then I was just, I threw those out because there are too many of them. So was my sort of breakdown by, by those three I grouped. So Premier Gottlieb had the least, which isn't surprising. They were so cheap, they usually didn't license. And they also pretty much were out of the game by 96. So with that said, their winner licenses, I could only identify three from the 90s. Super Mario Brothers was a winning license. The game's not any fun, but it's a good license.
0: Oh, man, my hand's shaking just from wanting to grab and throttle the mic and scream at you. But you're right. It's a good license. It's just not a good game. It's a That's good right. license. The
1: license was That was a smart move. I mean, Mario at that time. Same thing with Street Fighter 2. I've not played Street Fighter 2, but from everything I've heard, it is by some people, arguably the worst Gottlieb game from the 90s. But Street Fighter 2 was huge. I played Street Fighter 2 in the 90s all the time. It was a great license to grab. And then I, I think the third and final winning license I thought they went with was Stargate, which actually turned out to be a decent game. But, but it was a good license. It ended up getting a TV show.
0: I do enjoy Stargate,
1: the game. I enjoyed Stargate the movie. I enjoyed Stargate the TV show. So Now, uh, of the, uh, the rest of the, li- of the licensing that they grabbed where I thought they grabbed a real stinker of a license, uh, Waterworld was a mistake and uh, Barbed Wire. Barbed Wire was a mistake. Those were not good movies. No. No. I mean, just no. just based off box office performance. They're going to be considered
0: Based off box, yeah. And, well, I mean, neither of those were really
1: good movies anyway. I think Waterworld's sort of fun in a campy way. Den- Dennis Hopper carries the film. Um, well, yeah, but that's because he just chewed all of the scenery. Yes, yes. And Barbed Wire, I don't remember. I, I know I've seen it. I saw it once, but I just don't remember it. All right, so, so Gottlieb was in the worst position. And then Bally Williams. Bally Williams did a lot of original themes in the 90s. It's part of the reason why I think you see a lot of pinball people kind of longing for original themes. The, that, that It's derived, I, I believe, based off of this. But they did do a number of licenses as well. But which ones were the winning licenses? So most of these games are good. Uh, so in the winners, I'd say Terminator 2 was a winning license, and it's a good game. It's one of the best movies ever. Yep. So that was a great, great score. Uh Indiana Jones, which they use for Indiana Jones the Pinball Adventure, based off of the uh trilogy of the Indiana Jones movies. Great score. Awesome. Awesome uh, Star- score. Yep. Star Trek the Next Generation. Yeah. That Solid you know, Grab. One of the may may be the most popular. I mean, not, probably not with Trekkies overall, but it is one of the was one of the strongest viewership Star Trek's ever. So, very good very good one. And then uh in the case of Bally, uh the Adams family, which yeah. was a was a huge a lot of people who weren't around then may not understand but there was a reason why there were 20,000 of those games and it wasn't just that the game was fun. The movie was a really good license. It was a very popular movie. It got a sequel. Now, the loser licenses uh movie-wise. Demolition Man I think Demolition Man is fun, but I did go back and check the box office performance. It did not do well.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but so there's a lot of things that didn't necessarily do well in a box office performance that are still considered really good movies. I think Demolition Man is a really good movie. I mean, if you look at the box office, uh, the Fifth Element wasn't great, and I think that was a really good movie. (laughs)
1: demolition man is, is under debate i was listening to that uh new australian podcast head-to-head Head pinball and, and one of them said he went back he loved demolition man and he just went back and watched it hated it
0: hated really it. so i haven't watched definitely it definitely like. has
1: some people think that doesn't it didn't hold up i mean it's been probably upwards of a decade since i've seen it mm-hmm. So given its performance and its splitting of people's opinion on whether or not it was a good action movie, I'm just going to kind of I'm, I'm classing it as a loser, mostly based off of its fiscal performance. Got a problem with it. Sue me. Next, the Flintstones. Do You remember that one with uh, John Goodman? Here's the thing. I actually really love that pinball machine, but it was a bad movie. I don't think most of these pinball machines, I think are with only one in this list of losers, the machines are good, decent to good well and here's uh, the
0: thing: Bally's losers are better games than any of Sega data east winners
1: um I'll go that, there i'll say that, it that that's cruel you're you're looking at my notes so you know what my list says. I did and, look at your notes. And, uh, that, you know what? I think that's probably fair. Well, I don't know. All right. Let me get through the rest of the losers really quick (laughs) on the Williams side. I'm doing the Williams side first was after Flintstones was giant mnemonic was not a good movie. Uh, the pens debated as whether it's got good flow. I, I don't really have a lot of experience on it.
0: I'm not big on it. It's okay. It's not bad. It's not like, like I said, Flintstones, it's terrible, terrible license. It was a terrible, terrible movie. I enjoy the game. It's fun. It's not deep. It's not like it's, oh, well, this is all well, a favorite game. It's just, it's fun. Demolition Man is a fun game that I really like. Johnny Mnemonics, like, okay.
1: Yep, I played it. And then uh, this one, let me see, here's where I split on my, my style uh, Star Wars Episode 1. Box office wise, very successful movie, but it is pretty universally panned at this stage. This yeah. is also the only bad pinball machine in this uh, list. I, I don't yes. think it's. I don't think it's total trash. I just think Revenge from Mars is a much more enjoyable game for Pinball Two Thousand. Yeah, no, I agree. And then, and then on the bally side, there's there's Judge Dread, which uh, now this gets weird because. I think they, they ran with the comic theme on the pinball machine, which was smart. But I believe that it was done because the Sylvester Stallone movie came out, which was a bad movie. That's why I've listed it on Losers. Yeah, the Sylvester Stallone movie was just campy junk. And I also, where you referenced, and we'll get to on the Data East Sega winners, I do not think Judge Dread is better than a number of those games. Uh, and the last one's the shadow which was a pretty bad movie and is a pretty great pinball machine. Yeah. Where I do agree with you that it beats everything on the winners list on. Yeah, pretty much. Data East and Sega. Shadow is an amazing game, but the movie yes. was really really bad. So, really bad. Me going through the list of Bally Williams which ran from 90 to 99. I only identified four real winner licenses. Now let's talk about the D- Data East and Sega where i have what 12 yeah they well they the daddy sega had good licenses they just made bad games 13 i have 13 and yeah and th- so they they worked the license angle and i think that's why you see stern continue to do that which was the successor to sega and there was a reason for it because people identify well with license. So so just in terms of going over on the daddy east side, the winners, back to the future, great, great movie. The Simpsons, great TV show. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh whether or not you want to argue it was great, it was popular. Yeah. Uh Batman, and we're talking, you know, Keaton Batman. So yeah. It was a great movie. We were really, I mean, that was like, that was the first comic book movie I think of that was actually seen as a respectable movie. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, Star Trek. This is back to the original, uh, the original trilogy uh, show. So not trilogy. i, I It's sort of the like original. 25th end, well, it's I, I'm trying to think if it was based on the show or based on the original cast movies. It's kind of a blend because it's sort of an anniversary thing. Doesn't matter. It was good. Good choice. Star Wars, original trilogy, so smart. Jurassic Park, huge hit movie, smart. And then on the Sega side, Apollo 13, hit movie. Golden Eye, Pierce Brosnan's best James Bond movie. Independence Day, great 90s action movie. Star Wars trilogy, again, this one called Star Wars trilogy, and again, based on the original trilogy, so smart license. The X-Files, super successful TV show. And South Park, super successful TV show. All of those licenses are winners. Those are all very good licenses. Now, I agree with you that The Shadow, as a pinball machine, is better than all of those pinball machines. Judge Dredd, I don't know. I think Jurassic Park is better than Judge Dredd. I think GoldenEye is better than Judge Dredd. I think Star Wars, uh, the Daddy East Star Wars, is better than Judge Dredd. I don't know about the rest. yeah. I don't I haven't put a lot of time in a number of these. So. Uh, and then what licenses that I could find that were true loser. I mean they had a number of licenses that I just kind of thought were meh. But li- the bad license decisions they ran with. Last Action Hero. I enjoyed the movie but it was a bomb.
0: Oh yeah. It was it wasn't it was not
1: the world changing thing. Uh Maverick the movie. I enjoyed the movie. I did too. It was it was not it was not successful. So, uh, Batman Forever. Okay, not your worst Batman, but <laughs> it's not Batman and Robin. No, but... it's not Batman and Robin. But uh, and this is a case where you could, much like on the in the Bally Williams side on the losers, where you could argue the pinball machines better than the movie for Batman Forever. Incidentally, Batman Forever is when we're starting with Sega the. Last action hero, and Maverick, were Data East. Uh, Lost World Jurassic Park. That's a bad movie. <sighs> yeah, that was terrible. Catchphrase. And uh, Godzilla. And that's based on the, that's a lot of fish, Godzilla. So that was a loser license. If they yeah, remember. that was a terrible license. Terrible, terrible license. That pin's okay, though. I've played it. It's okay. So anyway, no. When it came to the world of picking great licenses, Data East slash Sega. Oh, they knew what they were doing. They knew. And it's they just a-
0: too bad that the person who knew what they were doing wasn't combined with somebody who knew how to make a game.
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, well, you know, all the talent at the time was employed at Bally Williams, but they went with a strategy of trying to get people to drop quarters based off of knowing what the what the theme is. And, and it kind of gets back to, well, I'm not going to launch into a whole segment on the value of licensing, but... There was an active pin side discussion I saw just started maybe less than 48 hours ago. And it was talking about things uh, about what they wanted to see out of pinball design. But some of the suggestions coming in have been go back to original themes, go back to original themes. And it's like, I kind of get it, but from unless it's just saved them so much money, it's not a smart move. It's just not.
0: No, it's not. It's one of you those will- things that if You can make a game that is really, really, really good and is an original theme. You can make a game that's really, really, really good and uses a license, and you'll sell a
1: lot more, and you'll make a lot more money. Yeah, and and that's it fundamentally. The even though things have moved more to the homeowner from being almost exclusively operator driven the same principles in play. If you can identify with the concept, it's going to be more and more attractive. How many people bought big Lebowski because it was a good player, which a lot of people say it's a good player versus how many bought it just because they love big Lebowski. It was the same layout and it was an original theme. It would sell less. It's true for everything. Unless your license is a total stinker, then you might actually hurt your sales. But if you've got a decent safe license, There are going to be people that just want that theme. So in their home, just like they were more likely to drop quarters in it, if they saw Luke Skywalker on it versus they just saw a weird clown. So, I mean, it's just it doesn't make doesn't make sense. And I think some of the issues are are driven by people thinking that there can be less creativity when you're confined by a license. And that's true. You're confined by a license, especially artistically. But
0: yeah, definitely artistically. But we I think most
1: that of them from
0: the mass uh, of kind of Photoshop backgrounds and play fields that were so big there for a while. And I say big. They're not big like they were a good thing. They were just common.
1: Yeah. Yeah. there's just done. But, you know, photo back glasses go all the way back to Gottlieb in the 80s. There's not you know, when I look back at older pinball machines with very few exceptions, I don't think the arts that stellar. I I don't. Uh, it's hand drawn, but it's not often great. It's not masterpiece hang on the wall in a, no. in, a in the Louvre sort of stuff. I mean, I'll give J Pop a lot of grief for a lot of stuff he did, even on his older designs, which I don't think were that swell. But he usually partnered up with a pretty good art artist and had some really elaborate, nice looking playfields and back glasses, and. We're seeing, we're seeing, but we're seeing more of that now where, where the light, even with licenses, when you have something like Ghostbusters, which was willing to let Zombie Yeti get very creative, or Aerosmith, which I think is an incredible looking pin and a pretty good player. You know, I think there's, uh, yeah, there's still some hope even with licenses, but you, you, there are, there are some shackles. There are some shackles. So that's it for pinball. Let's go to video games. <laughs> video Ugh. games. Yeah. Well, You know, I know it's been two weeks since our last episode, but apparently as of this last week, everything is Destiny 2, Destiny 2, Destiny 2. Are you playing Destiny 2, Tony? No. Me neither. No, I'm not. But
0: it's out, and it's apparently doing okay.
1: Yeah, I heard someone on another podcast, I don't remember which one, they were talking about that there were people like... In a line outside of a GameStop or something, waiting to get their Destiny Two physical. Co- I don't, I didn't get it. I was like, you can digitally download all this stuff. Why are you in line? But yeah. uh, the reviews, I, I've looked at uh, some review summaries. It seems basically to be it's improved on everything, essentially, out of Destiny, but probably not truly enough to be worthy of being called Destiny Two. It's more like Destiny One Point Five. But if you love Destiny, where where Destiny ended up with all its DLC, this will probably be the game for you. So if you guys are into that, go out and get it. I don't have it. I don't have it on my wish list. I did the demo of Destiny 1. I didn't like it. And I know they improved the game significantly since then, but I'm more than happy sticking with my hero shooter. I do not need an MMO-esque raid-orient grind-up and... Try and hunt things repeatedly in a first-person shooter. It's just not my thing, but yeah, no, it's
0: it's not my style. I haven't really done anything MMO-ish since. I mean, I I played a couple things that would qualify as MMO-ish since. Wow, but you did uh, like Eve, right? Like Eve, but Eve's like its own special animal. That it's like Eve is like the 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 the. Ex-girlfriend that that you still wanna, you know, meet up and talk to occasionally, but you quickly remember just how crazy they are. That's kinda how Eve is. I mean, I love Eve and I, I I would love to play more Eve, but it feels more like a a job and a time sink than I really have the time or desire to pour that kind of energy into anymore. So I'm not playing it. But I wouldn't turn it away if I had the chance to play it again. Okay, I get it. It's not like Wow, we're Wow. I'm just I have no interest in going back to Wow. No, no. And I have no interest in going back to Final Fantasy uh, Eleven. Or I have no interest in starting Final Fantasy 14. I played a little bit of Star Trek Online, but I don't really have any interest in going back to it because it wasn't that great. But Eve is a game where it's like, well, I always know exact. I can do something there and it might be the dumbest thing and it might be me setting for literally 10 hours just staring at my screens with stuff being like half autoed, half not really paying attention to it while it does stuff on one screen while on the other screen I'm staring and waiting for a chance to blow up somebody's ship and run away, hopefully without dying myself. But no, it's not, not something I'm going to jump back into. And I don't think any MMO that is anything that I'm
1: going to jump back into anytime soon, unless something magic happens. Well, let's jump into something else entirely. Then tell me about Cylons. Do you like Cylons?
0: I like Cylons. They're, they're very interesting. Um, a couple months or a couple months ago, a couple episodes ago, I'd mentioned and we talked about BattleStar Galactica Deadlock had released some gameplay trailers and was coming out. Well, the game actually came out. And it's better than I thought. I mean, it's not this is not a this is not a world-changing game. This is not something that I think anybody who or everybody should own. It's not something magical like that. But if you like the kind of game that it is. So a uh, tactical strategy game, it's a turn-based it's, it's very solid. Uh, and when I say it's turn-based, I mean, you plot all your ship movements and you do all of that stuff. And then you end turn and the other character, the other player does the exact same thing. And then everything happens simultaneously. And then you plot your next round of movements and stuff. Um, it's fun. It's actually deeper than I had originally thought it was going to be. I thought it was just going to be kind of a, a, a tactical thing. Uh, it has a light strategic element. I mean, it's not super deep, but it is enough that you have four areas that you have to defend. So you have to build up and deploy fleets and and work your stuff together to do missions and do uh, stop incoming Cylon, uh, raids and there's big story missions and there's smaller missions. And yeah, it's deeper than I thought. And it's a lot of fun. It's not a perfect game. It's got, uh, some issues. The UI's clunky, uh, not like game breakingly clunky, but it's a little clunkier than I would like. It, it feels like it could be smoother. Uh, sometimes like some of the strategic stuff, like fleet work, like re laying out your fleets and redesigning your fleets and shifting ships from one fleet to another is way clunkier than I think it needs to be. Um, and one of the big issues I had with it, they've actually fixed, uh, with like the raids and stuff, there can be so many of them and you can outpower the enemy so much that you're guaranteed to win. And it'll pop up a thing that says uh, that'll let you just auto it, where you hit the auto button and it just auto does it. It would tells you it's like a hundred percent chance to win. It's like, oh, okay, click. Well, apparently, a hundred percent chance of win doesn't mean a hundred percent chance to win without taking losses. So I did that, and I actually lost one of my only battle stars oh, wow. in an auto. Ma- oh, yeah, it was bad because at the time I I had three fleets built. I only had two battle stars. Uh, two of the, two of the fleets were commanded by a battle star and it had a couple frigates. One of the fleets was commanded, it was my base, which your home base is like a shipyard, but you can jump it from system to system, uh, from planet to planet. And it's basically just like a fighter base. It, it's got almost no defenses, but. I was using these three fleets because there's four areas to defend. So I'm kind of moving them around. And then I lost one of my battle stars and I didn't even have the, the, the Tellium or anything built up to manufacture another battle star to start my fourth fleet. And suddenly I'm having to replace a battle star in my third fleet. It's like, wow, if I thought I was going to lose a battle star, I would not have auto completed that mission. And I actually stopped auto completing anything at that point, but, uh, they already released a patch. The game came out on the 31st. Uh, and the patch came out on uh the 7th. So one week after release and the patch included. Now there's a thing that says you have a hundred percent chance to win and a 25% chance to lose a ship or a 0% chance to lose a ship. So you can judge if it's worth taking the risk of losing a ship to win that by autoing it or play it yourself. How's the AI? It's not terrible. It's not like, it's not like the AI is going to be doing anything really, uh, fancy. Now I'm not set on the hardest difficulty. Maybe it's different on the hardest difficulty, but on the difficulties I'm, I'm playing, um, it does pretty standard stuff. Uh, it will make choices that are like, Hey, that was a good choice instead of, being able to decoy them with some little ship, they'll blow past my little ships to go after whatever their actual target is, which is better than some games I've played. And, but it's not anything amazing, but it's not so bad that the game's too overly easy. The game does get kind of rote. Once you figure out a a, uh, uh, strategy that works, you can typically... I very rarely lose ships at this point, but I also, at this point, most of my fleets are overpowered, uh, because I've been building them up. I'm 21 hours into the game and I have done none of the multiplayer stuff yet. I haven't even looked at it, but it's, it could be stronger. Like I said, I haven't tried it on the hardest difficulty yet. Uh, I've been swapping my playtime between deadlock and I'm still playing a lot of cold waters now on the hardest difficulty. And that's um, that's hard. Uh, so we'll see. Once I finish this playthrough of deadlock, I'll probably crank it up to a harder difficulty and we'll see if the, if the AI gets a lot better. But it's not terrible. It's just pretty
1: standard. It's pretty bog standard. Would you recommend it if people were only interested in the single player?
0: Not at this price point. Wait for it to come down. I, okay. I honestly, I probably wouldn't recommend it at the price point, uh, period, as is. Um, it's a little expensive. It is $40, and I think it would make a lot more sense at $30. Uh, $20 is, you know, freaking $20. You might as well buy almost any game at $20 but at $30 i think i think $30 would be a sweet spot for this game at 40 it's a little high um but it's not bad um the, it's got some really uh it does the aesthetic really well if you like the reimagined battlestar galactica it covers that aesthetic really well and it covers the muse it's got the music and the stu- and sound from the the uh Uh, show so it it, audibly it is beautiful as well Uh, the music's good when you finish a mission after you finish a mission there's a cam and you can watch the replay so where it'll show the entire replay in real time and the computer will automatically change cameras as it plays. But it's like the cameras in the TV show where, you know, it jumps to a camera and it's a little shaky and zooms in real quick. It, it's kind of got that feel, uh, which is nice. Or you can actually go through and you can change your shots and you can record your own video with all the exact views you want. So it's a real nice bit of usability there uh, and that I would not be surprised to see people making some pretty fun video clips and stuff from but i've not messed with it a whole lot either uh so it's got it's really high on the aesthetics
1: no the aesthetics are really good I, i like that look okay well let's see next on our list i had figured we finally needed to work in an overwatch update we probably should have touched on it last actually not probably we really should have touched on it last episode however there are many many conditions we have to agree to if we bring dawn on and one of them is that we have to keep our overwatch talk to a minimum because he doesn't care. So <laughs> now that he's not here, we're allowed to talk about it. So, uh, blizzard has been reworking a lot of stuff in overwatch and a number of the, of the changes are already out. So, and I think we did actually at Don's behest, we ended up bringing up a few of the elements. I don't remember exactly which ones we touched on, but for example, the Junkrat's awesome. Junkrat, now, Junkrat's meta now, apparently. He can fly, as I describe it. He basically flies. He, he gets, jumps. He, he, he jumps he, he, he with jumps, style. He jumps so much that he's essentially achieved flight. There, I think there's the definition that's been achieved. He achieves flight. He doesn't he get hurt when he lands. Style. He's achieved flight. So, he jumps with style. Yeah. So he got um, um upgrade in terms of a doubling of his mind's which he can use a mine to fly up in the air, jump really high, as Tony would describe it. This was always the case, except now he's got two. So he could jump and now throw another mine, for example, to attack, instead of having to wait for the cooldown to redeploy his mine, which he used to get up in the air in the first place. So it gives him a lot more ability to actually dive. He was not part of the dive comp. I'd still say he probably isn't part of the dive comp, but he's actually able to fight characters in the air now. (laughs) And it's easier for him to do a lot of damage by actually getting up close because he can go in and then still have one of his major abilities. So that has been a huge improvement for the character. And I say meta because we are actually in the pro scene, seeing a lot more uses of the character, which I think was their goal. Blizzard seems to have a broad goal that they want all the characters to be viable, uh, for people to play and there's often a lot of waiting that has to go in waiting in the sense of balancing that applies at the high level versus what's going on at the lower tiers so for example i play at gold tier when i play competitively so i'm about halfway up the tier i guess and what i see in my tier is not the same as what you see at the at the high level at the high level is where the meta is defined so junk rats now meta on some maps uh the other things are still in test process they're on what's called the ptr so they're on the test server uh one is mercy which is actually the character i had the most competitive hours in last season and currently do this season as well she's a healer they are dramatically reworking her but they're still trying to get the balance just right what we do know is that her ultimate ability is changing it has been from the start of the game a mass res a resurrection so she would be able, once charged, to go in and then within a certain radius of wherever her character is, anyone who is down but not yet respond, she would a- was able to revive with maximum health. The problem has been that this has never been particularly viable technique at the high level. It's too easy for the other team to have – they already had the advantage because they killed everyone. And then they would wait everyone get rezzed and they would immediately be in the better position because everyone's where they died. So it just didn't, she wasn't a popular choice at the high level competitive. She partnered well with the, with a fairer character, which could fly and do rocket damage. But other than that, you really don't see mercy. So what they've done now is she gets a a one person res every 30 seconds as a regular ability. And her ultimate ability is her Valkyrie mode where It immediately resets her res cooldown. She gains the ability to truly fly. She flies around on her own. She has infinite bullets in her gun. And she can, while that's going, res every 10 seconds instead of every 30 seconds. The ability itself lasts 20 seconds. And if she pockets or uses, she has a stream gun, kind of like Team Fortress 2's uh, medic character does. When she's in Valkyrie mode, If she's healing someone or damage boosting someone with one of those streams and another person is nearby them, it chains. So you just like see this web of her ability. So she could actually multi-heal while she's in Valkyrie mode. What they've been doing, however, is uh, in terms of the tweaks, when she was in Valkyrie mode, she was a death machine. She was uh, high-level people on the PTR were flying around headshotting everyone and just raining death. And she became Apocalypse Pony instead of Mercy. Apocalypse Pony. Yes. And so while I thought it sounded really, really fun, she is a support character. She's really not supposed to be raining death from above. That's Farah's job. So they seem to be making adjustments, like uh, making her gunfire slower while she's in that mode, things like that, trying to get it so that she's not quite so OP. But it is looking like she should be significantly different when she's finally released and it sounds like blizzard's main goal with regards to mercy was i I think in part to get her more in the meta but also that they wanted to make her more fun to play because what had become the strategy for mercy players is once you earned your ultimate for resurrection you didn't stay and heal your team anymore you hid you found a corner and you cowered there and you hid and you waited for your team to wipe. And then you would try and get in and do the mass res because you were actually better to get them all back up with full health than trying to keep them up in the first place. I did not play that way, usually, as Mercy, but a lot of people did. And well, the makes problem sense. is it's not fun, though.
0: It's well, not yeah, fun No, I'm not there.
1: saying anything about it being fun. It just makes so, sense. So they're trying to make it more fun. So that's Mercy. And the other character that's getting yet another re- uh, re- reworking again is D.Va, the tank they can never figure out how they – she and Roadhog are the two tanks that are always getting tweaked. So they're making more changes to D.Va. D.Va kind of fell out of fashion after the triple tank went away, and then she came back in fashion because D.Va counters everything. She has an ability called Defense Matrix, which absorbs a ton of different attacks. And she can eat several ults, like Zarya's Graviton Surge. She can eat it. She can eat a Pulse Bomb. She can essentially eat Farrah uh, Reigning Justice, or uh, a Death Blossom from Reaper. So she's very, very strong with her Defense Matrix, which she could keep up quite a bit. They've shortened the cooldown on the Defense Matrix, I think it's now down to two seconds. They're still doing tweaks on how fast they want it to recharge. They decided it was recharging too slow, so last I heard, they bumped it back up by a quarter- you know, twenty-five percent. Uh, they also gave her some mini missiles that she'll be able to fire. So she doesn't just have her guns, which they had nerfed her damage back a while ago to make her damage more consistent. This is always a joke I'm when I'm playing Overwatch, I always talk about oh Diva, she's she's coming for me with a really <laughs> consistent damage. Yeah, she's consistently lame at long distance. <laughs> and up close, she's consistently not impressive, but consistent. <laughs> so anyway, they're giving her some little mini missiles which are kind of like little Pharah missiles. They don't have as much splash. They don't have as much damage. And they're still tweaking those. Last I heard, they had to scale back the damage on them because they were seen as too powerful. Because she's a tank. You don't want her to be a DPS. But they're trying to make her a little more interesting to play and not just, my job is to stand here and put up defense matrix whenever anyone's trying to use ultimate abilities, which is what she became. That's really all I have in terms of an Overwatch summary on the updates. No, quick quick
0: diva question i know when i first read about the changes one of the things they'd added and i don't know if it's still in there if it's been bounced but didn't they change it so she could shoot while
1: boosting or did they pull that out i believe that is still there yes i good good point i should have i should have known that she, she could always i don't know what they're gonna it's interesting uh, on console at least the cancel for her boost is the shoot button so i'm wondering what they're going to change oh interesting in that but um, probably just switch, switch cancel to the other trigger. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that and that's uh, that's an interesting change. Yeah. Uh, so normally the strategy would be with Diva is you would boost into someone and maybe hit your melee attack to punch them or something. You want to try or just use her mech itself to try and boot people off the edge. It's it's a fairly popular tactic. But yeah, she will actually be able to shoot while flying. Uh, but what she could do is in the past was boost while defense matrixing. I mean, she, she'll still be able to do that, but with only a two-second defense matrix, it's just, it's way shorter than it was. So. Yeah,
0: and I mean, that's a concern because, I mean, between her massive hitbox and the massive, her like, her massive headshot capabilities, even after they've made adjustments to it, she's still, without defense matrix, it doesn't take much to just destroy her. Right, she her used only to stand up
1: to damage a lot better.
0: Yeah, and with her being able to throw it up only for two seconds, I mean... That's like a Zarya bubble amount of time there, except for you doesn't get you all the bonuses and you can't do anything else while you're doing it. So it turns into we'll throw it up. A little, I need to wait until I know there's big shots coming in to protect myself or somebody right next to me. I have to wait until I know there's an ult coming in to eat the ult and then it's down. And I just hope I don't get melted while I wait for it to recharge.
1: Yeah. I'm not entirely certain what their hope is with D.Va. Based off of the changes they're making, my guess is they want to make her more of a dive character. It's kind of funny because it seems like I think Blizzard has had a goal to break the dive meta. They went from triple tank to the dive meta, and I think they want to break the dive meta, but they want to keep it viable. They don't want it to go away, but they don't want it to be, oh, you have to do the dive meta. Yeah, But D.Va wasn't in the dive meta when it came out. Uh, not in a, not in an attack dive-in sort of role, even though her mech's really good at that because they took away all the damage she used to have in Triple Tank. It used to be she would be the one to fly up in her ass and she could melt faces. And then they scaled back all that damage to make her more consistent and they made her mech uh, able to be destroyed so much easier that she wasn't, unless she had a pocket and she didn't in the meta, there was no way she couldn't stay up. Winston could get back out easily. He had, you know, he was better positioned for it. His shield, they reworked it so that he could get in and protect himself better than D.Va could. Because as you've noted, D.Va can't defense Matrix and attack, except for when she's trying to boop. That's And that's not a lot of damage. So I'm wondering if they're trying to let her actually go in sort of in a more offensive tank role, but not taking her back to what she was where... She was there were very there were very few characters that were felt confident fighting a diva one on one. And yeah. now, it, it kind of went the other way where, yeah, with Defense Matrix, she can withstand just about everything. But now she's not going to have much of a Defense Matrix. I think it's also they're doing the Defense Matrix change, I'm assuming, so that it's actually harder for her to eat ults because If you thought people were ready, it was really just hold down that trigger and just kind of, you know, you had a lot of wiggle room to, to await things. I mean, you know, certain, certain ults are telegraphed. For example, if Reaper has gone as a, into his ghost mode and he's coming right for you, your team, you know, he has death blossom.
0: Yeah. And And it'd be nice to have enough uptime on your thing, on your defense matrix to block it all. But I don't think two seconds is enough.
1: No, no, I don't I don't think so. I uh it's also not gonna be long enough to block an entire Farrah barrage, I don't right. believe. I think justice reigning from above is somewhere between three and four seconds, but I'm not sure. Anyway, but how long does a farah stay
0: alive sure. long enough to see punch that's a full think. one?
1: In that in that case it's not uh, If if you had to defense matrix that entire barrage, something's wrong with your team. Yeah. And at my tier there's plenty that's wrong with the team. Uh, there have been so many games I've played where the other side has had a farah and we don't have a hit scan, which is the counter. Someone that can you know, Nobody
0: eat. plays a hit scan. Okay.
1: It it's it's shocking, but you'll go around and they're like, nope, nope. But you'll have
0: you'll have a widow and a Hanzo. I have a widow
1: sure. and a Hanzo and oh look, Tracer. Yeah. And you know what? I wouldn't mind having one of those characters, but it's where where's the soldier? Or at least the McCree. I don't have any faith in McCree, but, but in theory, if they knew how to play him, he would be viable, but no, they just, or or, there's even times where I'd be like, I'll take a bastion at this point. Just give me something.
0: (laughs) Please something.
1: Well, Tony, I think we got to the end of the show. I think so. I guess it's time to plug some stuff. It is. It was, uh, we got, we had fun discussions this time. No weighty news of depression. Just fun, happy talks about Cylons and System 11s and licenses and pharmacies. So I guess we should start plugging our stuff. You can uh, follow us on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash Eclectic Gamers Podcast. We also check emails. Uh, Email address is eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com. And we're
0: available on Twitter and Instagram at eclectic underscore gamers, supposedly, and when I actually get on there and check them, I'm really bad about Twitter. I'm better about Instagram mm. well I, I do make sure we tweet things.
1: out the episodes, so we tend to at least have one tweet every two weeks um, yeah I'm we just, are i'm
0: not I'm not a huge I don't know I've never really got been able to get big into Twitter. I was doing better with Instagram for a while. I need to
1: get back to it, yeah. Yeah, I'd reaching out to us, Facebook's probably the best yeah. because we both easily can check it. So in terms of sending us messages, if you want to see photos, then Instagram's the best because that's what it's for. That's it. Uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks, I guess. So until next time, I'll just say I'm Dennis. And I'm Tony. So long, everyone. Good night. It's not nighttime. I don't care.